we couldn't kill him. I want to kill him because, uh, yeah, it's bad to say that, but uh, he tried to took our lives. So, yeah. And and for you, I mean, when you when you wake up in the morning, what is it that you and you getting ready for for duty? I mean, what is it that you you think of when you when you're getting ready in the morning? Every morning when I get up, first thing I go on my on my knees and I pray, to ask God, just save us. Let me and the, 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 the crew, everyone, all the colleagues, can go back to their houses. There is a war being waged on the streets of South Africa and it includes the intricate planning of attacks, nerve-shattering bombings and armed shootouts. At this stage, I'm sure you're all wondering what the heck I'm talking about, but no doubt you have felt the runoffs of this war as well. Each time you find yourself sitting behind a cash and transit van in traffic, you know that small voice in your head that says, oh God. I hope this van isn't a target. I really hope no one starts shooting. That little voice could be described as the runoff effect of this very ongoing battle. The latest SA Banking Risk Information Center data shows that there has been a 29% spike in cash van attacks between 2019 and 2020. Gauteng and Mpumalanga bear the brunt of vehicle attacks with the provinces recording 173% and 46% increases respectively between 2019 and 2020. In today's episode of Boots on the Ground, behind SA's national headlines, we follow Sunday Times senior reporter Graham Hoskin as he speaks to the drivers of cash and transit vans about their experience on the coalface. We hear their tales of battle and survival, and we consider why cash and transit heists are now re-emerging with force. Boots on the Ground is a podcast dedicated to unravelling some of South Africa's biggest news stories. This podcast follows Sunday Times reporters as they investigate the stories making headlines. For Boots on the Ground, behind SA's national headlines, I am your host, Paige Muller. At the coalface of this war are 2,500 cash and transit or CIT officers who transport an estimated 136 billion rand in cash daily. Now you can imagine that this puts CIT officers at extreme risk. So far this year alone, waves of deadly attacks orchestrated by organized and heavily armed gangs have left 24 people dead and dozens injured. Everyone is coming here in the morning. We are greet, greeting each other, we are making jokes, and we don't know who's coming back or who's not coming back. And is that a, is that a daily... That's a daily, daily thing. Meet Philip Shaw. Philip has been a CIT officer for 20 years now. I guess you could call him a veteran at this. 
Philip survived six heists in 2019 and a further two heists this year. He's a pretty strong character. But the most recent heist Philip suffered was different. This time, his co-worker and friend was shot and died in front of him. The last one was now three months back in Mamalodi, where we lost a, a, one of our colleagues. And can you describe describe what happened there? I came by the client. There was a lot of crates standing in front of the gate. I went past, and then I came back. I reversed in between the uh, light bulb, bulb pole and the bucket. I reversed into the parking area. They went in to do the transaction. When they came out, the one guy was running right in front of the vehicle pass, and they started shooting. Luckily, the crew got in the vehicle, but we lost the third man. And they shooting underneath the, the bulletproof at the back, and then the, the bullet is running in between the plates. And then the, the robbers stayed on, and he's shooting fruit three times per day. And that was the first time I lost one of my colleagues. Philip's co-worker was initially shot in the chest. And when he fell, the robbers shot him an additional three times in the head. Philip told us that while the attacks have always been a problem for the industry, the recent brutality has really stood out. He explains that no mercy is being showed for CIT staff. And you said it's getting worse. I mean, can you describe how it's getting worse? Is it that the robbers are more armed or...? They are more armed and they are using now explosive. So you might be extra careful. If you see that you're coming to the vehicle, Go away, you must drive, go and stand on that side. Because now that, they, that gave them a um, chance to put the explosion on the vehicle and then it's going to go off. And, and for you, I mean, when you, when you wake up in the morning, what is it that you, and you getting ready for, for duty, I mean, what is it that you, you think of when, you, when you're getting ready in the morning? Every morning when I get up, first thing, I go on my, on my knees and I pray to ask God just save us. With me and with the, the, the crew, everyone, all the colleagues can go back to their houses. Graham also spoke to a Fidelity Assets Protection Officer who asked to be identified as Joe and didn't want his voice on the record. Joe said that in the first three months of having started working, he had survived two heists. In the first, at a Johannesburg petrol station this year, he was shot six times in the chest. He said, and I quote, My ancestors protected me because the bullets hit my vest. I shot one guy. The guards escaped with an empty cash bag. For CIT officers like Philip and Joe, armed shootouts come with the job. But why would anyone choose to do this job? Graham asked Dirk Pitsia, a CIT veteran of 19 years, why he does it. 
in South Africa, you take what you get. If you, you know. I was a young guy, didn't get any work, so then you go more for that. Okay. I have a wife and daughter, my wife doesn't work, so must do it. Things happen, you must, must work for a salary, survive. But in many ways, Dirk is actually very lucky. He has only had to suffer through one heist attempt. My, my first time, it was my, the, the, the 21st of August was my first robbery, my first one in 19 years. Um, yeah, it's a bad experience for you because you see the guys that are coming with firearms, and you know, you must take a life in, or they take your life. Uh, it was a bad experience, but, but the biggest problem is children. My wife, my child, my child was hysterics. She didn't want me to come back to work. She said, no, she can't. It's a bad thing that. Dirk explains how long that attack felt and exactly what happened. Uh, we were standing off at Atrichwell, Menandi Mall. It's in Atrichwell. And we stopped and my the runner climbed climb out and and the next moment I saw a, a Audi, gold color Audi and it stopped and they jumped out and they ran to us and thank God um, the guy that was with me. I, uh, we came a, a long time now, I think it's now seven years that we know each other so we know how we work together. So um, if it wasn't for him, I think I wouldn't survive it. Um, it was a very good plan between me and him. Uh, we, because the robber came to the door, opened the door, forced the door open. And the next moment I had shots and uh, he pulled all the attention to that, um, to that guy and gave me time to get my firearm and start shooting back at them. Uh, we sh shot three of them. Um, the one with a rifle, we, what I shot first, um, well, he shot me in the leg. Um, and that was the only rounds he fired, the three rounds before I shot him. Um, the other one we shot and we ran out, uh, ran out of ammo and so we couldn't kill him. I want to kill him because, yeah, it's bad to say that, but uh, he tried to took our lives. So, yeah, and um, the police arrested him on the seat. He was lying. He couldn't move. We shot him through the upper chest and front of the chest. Two shots, and I don't, I don't know. He's still alive, so I don't know. But yeah. And I mean, how did it? Going through that, I mean, you said that's your first, first... Everything happens slowly, yes. I, it's very slow. It feels like it forever. And it was, I think, 20 minutes. And it feels like a lifetime. Um, so it's a bad experience um, to get shot. I didn't feel it first. Um, um, I was shot. And forward, I, was, I, was, I didn't feel, feel the pain. And then the other guy that was with me, he asked me, now, are you all right? I said, no, I 
just got a pinch here on my leg and then I took the boot away and it was just blood so but uh, you must do it the job job Afrikaans you say uh, job with things like that and your, your family how did they feel my daughter couldn't take the she was she was um, in a state she she told me when I I was shot the Friday the Tuesday I was back at work and she didn't like it she said no you're not going to back to work no I don't want you to go back and I told her but so rather than butter you must CIT officers and their families wonder each and every day if they will be reunited again or if this is the last time they're going to see their loved ones. Between January 1st and October 12th of this year, there were 167 heist attempts. 167. CIT officers drive from destination to destination searching for any small indication of nefarious intent. Graham sat in with Dirk on a ride along and he explained some of the kinds of things that he keeps a strong eye out for. A number plate, like a species number plate. It will look like a oil helping number plate. It doesn't fit in the area. Okay. Guys with jackets, guys with blue, uh, um, tinted windows. Okay. Most of the time, four uh, four people inside. Um, the way they're driving. Okay. If you uh, give speed uh, or accelerate, they accelerate. If you drive slowly, they drive slowly. Okay. Um, most of the time, they will be before you at the site so we're going to that spot now so then you come there you see a vehicle standing with people inside on their phones things like that um, like at the mall also you will see the guys is sitting at the entrance in a car checking you all the time um, I didn't I didn't uh, know if you saw when we went in to go and service the first point there by Mamalori Mall. Did you see the four guys that were sitting on that lounge just there? Yeah. Did you see the one who was following us the whole time? Yeah. I was standing behind him and checking. Things like that. He's, he's watching you, he's on his phone, things like that. Small things. Okay. Yeah. Um, most of the time, uh, the guys are jittery. Because um, he's standing playing with his fingers or understand um, other st stuff that you can um, yeah they, like they sit in the car they're watching the whole time check where you're going following you um, but that's not the guys that come and rob you and, uh, they call them spotters they they dare to observe you and then check when uh, when is a good time to rob you um, most of the time the guys are, are coming to rob you is the guys you will see they're standing they jittery they they can't keep their hands still things like that um, and 
they're always tweeting jackets. Um, always, it's now now difficult with this uh, COVID. Always cover their faces with something, or they put that down or things. You can't see their faces the whole time. Dirk's process might sound a little paranoid, but he knows he's a target. And of course, in the back of his mind, he knows that the attacks have become more and more violent. And, and importantly, that his daughter really wants him to come home. CIT Association of SA spokesperson Grant Clark said that there was a drastic increase in vehicle attacks from August of this year, with the loss of life being higher than previous years. But why? Easy Cash CEO Albert Erasmus thinks that the easing of the lockdown may have something to do with it. Obviously, through the lockdown, limited um, retail purchasing was taking place. Cash was sitting with people, people who didn't withdraw cash from ATMs, they withdrew very little in order just to buy the livelihoods that they needed within the other disposal shops or the spa, the pick and pay where they live, or the little um, fuel retail on the corner of a convenience shop. And um, and as we started opening up the economy, there was obviously more cash in circulation. People were spending more money, with, more money withdrawn from the bank branches and the ATMs, dispensing more money and so forth and so forth. So yes, so obviously the risk then increased because there's more cash in circulation on a day-to-day -day basis as we go along. Um, the industry anticipated it and, and um, have put in you know additional things in, in place like. Um, extra um, coverage with, with with helicopters, extra what we call TSU units, tactical support units that escort the vehicles, more officers on the vehicles in order to, you know, to safeguard the, the cross pavement um, risk. Um, but yes, I mean, we live in a very difficult society that, um, you know, it's it, there's so many syndicates operating out there that's not necessarily linked to one another um, that operate either within a region or within a specific area and, and some of them you know through lockdown because we were prevented from moving between provinces they actually got stuck and they couldn't move from one province to another and we know from the previous motors operandi some of these uh, syndicates would would do in, in um, robberies in in the northwest, Fumalanga, Limpopo, and Gauteng, and even in the Free State, very quickly, and and down in the Cape from Cape Town to to the Eastern Cape, KZN to Free State, and they will jump provincial borders quickly and um, to do these things. And I think with the lockdown, obviously there was limitation of movement, so people couldn't move as freely as they could. A, um, a specific profile car would be identified very quickly by, by the SAPs if they were driven on the highway. And, 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 you know, so all of that helped prevent the incidents from taking place. So, I, I mean, the demand for gas, the supply of gas, the limitation of movement prevented and suppressed um, the opportunity for them to, to act. And I think now we, we are with the economy almost open up and most of the cash dispensing and cash taking businesses trade now six, seven days a week. Yes, we we've, we've, we have to now, um, we have to move, manage it now. 
and UNISA criminologist Professor Rudolf Zinn agrees with Albert. He holds that the gangs are making up for their financial losses under lockdown. He explains that these robbers live very affluent lives, with some of them having children in overseas schools. Zinn says that the gangs have had to use lockdown to, and I quote, ready for war. And CIT service providers and officers have also noticed the trend. Reports of decreased numbers of heists during lockdown are now being contrasted against a post-lockdown surge. So how do we stop them? Recently retired criminologist Dr. Henny Lochner, who spent a full two years interviewing 21 convicted CIT robbers in the hopes of understanding the planning and execution that goes into each heist, says that in order to dismantle a syndicate, each and every member of the operation needs to be apprehended. But during my study, I have realized that because of their, their planning in the, in the first phase, which I call the pre-planning pre, pre phase, if you, if you do not arrest all the people committing one, one catch and transit robbery, it's like a cancer cell, it will definitely spread. Because each and everyone's responsibility after the cash and transit action doesn't matter if it's successful or not. They will they will go individually and look for a uh, for a, the next target. You must rem you must remember that they plan between six months and uh, fourteen months for a genuine heist. Then I mean a genuine heist, not the fly by night or cross pavement at genuine heist. They plan. They execute. So, now, as one robber said, two, two million is a cool drink money. In Afrikaans, fruit and milk, but he, he said cool drink money. But they, they plan to steal as much as they can with the minimum risky. But as Dirk pointed out in the ride-along, not all of the participants of the heist are present during the heist itself. This means that a reactive policing approach will simply not be adequate in rooting out CIT robberies. Sandra Sari, G4S spokesperson, said that while there was a decrease in CIT attacks during lockdown, the crimes were now becoming more violent and more organized. So don't be fooled by the quiet on your street right now. There is a war raging in South Africa. For Boots on the Ground, behind SA's national headlines, I have been Paige Muller. If you have enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please subscribe for free on Iono FM, Spotify, Google Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Join us next week for more behind SA's biggest stories.